Grace Family Church of Rhode Island presents Word of Hope, a sermon series with Pastor Luciano Cozzi. Thank you, God, for inspiring us every day to use our voices to speak out against injustice, our hands to help those who are vulnerable, our feet to learn to walk in the other person's shoes, our hearts to pour out compassion and empathy, our minds to apply solutions in ways that make a difference. Thank you, God, for reminding us one person can change the world, that all you need is faith the size of a mustard seed and courage the height of a shepherd boy and wisdom that's given to anyone who asks. Entire generations have marched towards a hope they thought they'd never have. Mindsets have changed when there seemed only a dim chance. You, Lord, walk the streets of every community, watching, listening for those who are willing to say, here I am, Lord, send me. History has shown us what you can do when one single soul becomes willing to do your work. May we be willing today, Lord, to make a difference. Good morning, brethren. Last week, we introduced a short series on the Holy Spirit, spiritual gifts, and our participation in the work of the Lord. Chapters 12, 13, and 14 of the first letter to the Corinthians provide some very important instruction on that topic and reveal the importance of love in the life of the church. And we're going to be looking at that during this series. But today we're reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 to 11. Let's read it together. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> now there are varieties of gifts by the same Spirit, and there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects by the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, and to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the, same, by the one Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, and to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. Now, the Corinthian problem, the, the problem of the church in Corinth, was a misunderstanding and a misuse of the spiritual gifts that they had received. 
and unfortunately a similar problem affects many believers and churches even today, hindering the gospel as well as the growth of a church in many cases. That problem presents at least three dangers for us, and Paul addressed them in this section of his letter. The danger of ignorance or being mistaken about the, the, the nature of spiritual gifts. The danger of inadvertently being carried away into false worship. And the danger of speaking in a way that is contrary to the Holy Spirit and therefore sharing some false message about God. Let's look at this passage in more detail together. Verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. Well, so Paul is addressing here the, the issue, the problem with spiritual gifts, and he's telling the Corinthians, and he does not want them to be ignorant or unaware of the problem and of what the solution should be, or what the, the way it should be, the use of the gifts should be. Now, spiritual gifts are special gifts and abilities from God that are given by the Holy Spirit to an individual at conversion. They are special gifts given by the Holy Spirit to enable the believer to serve the Lord and the church and to share the gospel with the world. Notice that I did not say that they are given to the believer to equip the believer so that the believer can can be better or can use it for personal, um, personal use or personal advantage. Now, being unaware, Paul said, he doesn't want us to be unaware. Being unaware means lacking knowledge or understanding of the spiritual gifts that Paul is referring to. About the existence, perhaps, of spiritual gifts, that some people don't think they exist or they don't think they are applicable or about the gifts that God has given us, not knowing what gifts God has empowered us with, or about how to properly use them. Maybe we know that we have certain gifts, but we don't know how to use them in a way that is honoring God and fulfilling His purpose. Those are common problems today as well. Today, just like then, there's much confusion. Some people say that there are no, no more gifts. The gifts no longer apply. Maybe they applied it in the time of the early church, but they don't apply to us today. Some other, some other people say that some gifts do apply to us today, but not others. And I think that as we approach this topic, we should be careful not to limit God in our ignorance not to limit God to our own standards, to our own ideas. One way of doing it is, for example, limiting God is to take the example lists of gifts that are contained in the Bible in different passages and use them or consider them as an exhaustive list, meaning God limits himself to that list and he cannot give any gift that is beyond that list. That would be limiting God. And we don't want to do that. But we'll see that a little better in a moment. Verses 2 and 3. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. 
Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, the first part of that points to the Corinthians' prior or former involvement with divination and, and a number of pagan practices that were common in Corinth. And for many of them, that was still an influence in their thinking. Paul then here points out that ecstatic activities that perhaps the Corinthians were still accustomed to, or still influenced by, the ecstatic activities were not a proof and are not a proof that, they are, that these people are obeying God. Because they were used in pagan worship as well. And so they needed to be particularly careful about that, and so do we. But then there is this phrase, Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus is a curse. What, what does that mean? Well, most scholars, unfortunately, as they comment on, on the Bible, seem to skip this part. But probably the reference that Paul is making here is to pagan dualism. The dualism was an idea of the ancient Greeks that regarded the flesh as evil and the spirit as good. And some, in the time of Paul, were led to deny Christ's humanity. One of the earliest heresies was called docetism. That meant that Christ was not really human. It was a spirit, it was God, it was divine, but it wasn't really human. Because and, and that heresy came up because they could not reconcile both the divinity as well as the humanity of Jesus Christ being together in, in one. And that could be the reason for their problem, as Paul wrote in the letter to the Corinthians, the problem that they had with the message of the cross, because the message of the cross implied both the humanity and the divinity of Jesus Christ, of Messiah, of God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. That's probably why they had a problem with that as well. But how would that be Jesus is accursed? Well, no one by the Spirit of God would say that Jesus, the human, would be accursed because he was evil in the flesh, while maybe the divine part then would be good. No one speaking by the Holy Spirit would deny the divinity of Jesus Christ. And no one, continues Paul, can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now Jesus is Lord means that the Jesus who suffered on the cross is now the Lord of all creation. And only believers moved by the Holy Spirit truly acknowledge that Jesus Christ is their Lord. And they do that in humble surrender. That is the equivalent of acknowledging the divinity of Jesus Christ as well as the humanity of Messiah. Jesus is Lord. It means that He is the one who owns our life, who is in charge of our life, who, who guides us, directs us, that determines our path, and then we, in humble surrender, follow him in, in obedience. Verses 4 to 6. 
Now there are variety of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of ministries, and the same Lord, and there are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. Notice that Paul here places an emphasis on the fact that gifts are different. There are varieties of gifts. And that means that different people receive different gifts. Not everyone receives the same gift. That is not a biblical statement. But gifts, here Paul makes it very clear, are different. But they are all necessary. So there is no gift that is more important than another. There is no Christian with a given gift that is more or less important than another with a different gift. But Paul here also points out the oneness of the triune God, especially as God works in us through the Holy Spirit. Notice that here it says that the Holy Spirit bestows various gifts on us so that we can participate in the ministries of the Lord Jesus Christ as we are empowered by God the Father who works all things in all people. And so we see the triune God working in oneness in the church. Now notice that in the, the, the variety of gift is stressed in here, and it's stressed in the context of the oneness of God. The one God, the one Lord, the one Spirit empowers us, endows us with a variety of gifts. Now verse 7, but to each one is given a manifestation of a Spirit for the common good. So now Paul addresses the why question. Why is God doing that? Why is God giving us those gifts? And the purpose of those gifts is clearly stated here. Each gift is a manifestation of a presence of the Holy Spirit in the believer. It is God working in the believer, not our own work. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. It is a manifestation of the presence of the Holy Spirit in the believer and of the work of the Holy Spirit in the believer. And the gifts here are clearly stated. They are for the purpose of serving others. In other words, the common good of the body of Christ, of the church. One member serving another with a gift that the Holy Spirit has endowed him with. So the gifts are never intended for private use. They are never intended to cause division, jealousy, or rivalry as they were doing in the church in Corinth and as they are doing, shamefully so, as they are doing in many churches even today. But they are given instead to provide a way for the whole church to work together in harmony for mutual edification to build up and strengthen the church as it is needed according to the wisdom and the will of the Holy Spirit. It is once again, and I will never grow tired of saying that, it is once again God's work performed in and through us. Notice verses 8 to 10. 
For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, and to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, and to another various kinds of tongues. And by the way, if you've been influenced by the idea that everyone has to receive the gift of tongues, notice that here Paul says, to another He's given various kind of tongues, not everyone. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. Now notice in here, in verses 8 to 10, that unity is stressed. There is unity of the source of all gift. The unity of the source of all gift is because all these gifts are given by the Holy Spirit. And they are received through the Holy Spirit. There is a unity of purpose for all those gifts. And that purpose is the edification of the church, is the benefit of our brothers and sisters as we serve them with those gifts. And there is a unity in provision. The gifts provide for the common good of the entire church through the building of one another. And Paul then, in this section, provides a sample list to make this point. And this is not just like any of the lists uh, that you find in the Bible. It's not by all means exhaustive. God can, can give gifts that are not listed in the Bible at any time, according to His will. But notice in this sample list how each gift serves to build up the church and not oneself. The first one listed, for example, is wisdom. Wisdom is the special ability to properly apply knowledge and deal with people and their needs in love, with insight, so that the knowledge applied serves to build up the body and all its members and not to suppress or hurt or, or divide them. That's wisdom. It's given to us so that we can serve our brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. Knowledge. It's especially a, a special ability to discover or accumulate or even analyze and then put together and integrate varieties of information and ideas and to relate all human understanding of this world to the knowledge and service of God. Once again, knowledge is given as a gift for the purpose of serving God for the purpose of building the church, and for the purpose of benefiting our brothers or sisters in Christ. Faith. Faith is a special ability to discern and trust with extraordinary confidence, unusual confidence. I mean, every Christian receives faith by God. Every Christian is given faith, the faith that we need for salvation. But this is a special endowment of an extraordinary confidence that in, in the will and the grace of God that enables an individual to walk steadfastly in, in the way that God has called us to walk and to keep the vision of our hope even through testing and trials. And that is for the purpose of providing encouragement and reassurance for those who may be distressed otherwise by the trials that we face in life. 
And that's a precious gift. But once again, it is a gift or a special, extraordinary endowment that God has given us in order to encourage one another as we trust God in a very special way. It is not so that we can criticize other people for not having enough faith, but it is so that we can encourage them by reminding them that we can trust God. Healing, the gift of healing, the spiritual agency of God in, in curing illness and disease and restoring to health in a way that is supernatural. Healing is not for oneself. If you, if you if you're prone to question, then look at the example of Paul and how Paul asked God to heal him. The answer was no. Healing is for others. As an expression of the grace and the love that God has for us. A grace and a love that is conveyed in a way through the healing to the other individual. Miracles, the gift of miracles, the spiritual ability to, to actuate the supernatural intervention of God in ways that is beyond the ordinary working of the laws of nature. It, it is rare, but the purpose even of that is to serve others so that they come to understand God or to find freedom from demons or our other evils of life. And then the gift of prophecy, the spiritual, the special, unique spiritual ability that comes from a God-given fullness of understanding to apply the grace or the judgment of God, which the scriptures proclaim, to individuals or groups that may hear God speaking to their own life and situation, so that they may hear, I meant to say. God speaking to their particular situation in life. So once again, prophecy is not to, to exalt oneself. Prophecy is to serve the church, is to be able to confirm or warn other people presenting the grace or the judgment of God as needed. And so it is to serve the church once again. Then there is discernment or the distinguishing of spirits, the special ability by a clear perception that is given by uh, or, or, or that comes from God's Word and God's Spirit to detect, to identify the, a distortion, an error in the church, whether it is in people or, or in some teachings or in some worship. And again, what's the purpose of that is so that the church may stay on track, so that the church may not be deceived and, and led astray. And then tongues, the spiritual ability to speak in a language foreign to the speaker. For what purpose? To convey the message to others who speak that tongue or that language, to share the gospel to people of different areas in different countries. And, of course, the interpretation of tongues, the spiritual ability to translate and interpret the message of one speaking in a different language, and the purpose of that so that the others can understand the message 
that is given from God and benefit from it. Now, every single one of these gifts can be distorted and abused. Just a little bit ago, I made the example of the gift of faith. The gift of faith, if we're endowed with a very special, unique faith, very strong faith as a gift from God, we may be prone to criticize other people for not having enough faith, for not believing in God. Because in, that might be our perception of their normal, regular, shall we say, faith as a Christian. But these gifts are not to be used that way. When they're used to serve, those gifts continue to grow and, and, and generate a great deal of good. But when, when they're used in a self-serving attitude, they don't serve others. They don't edify the church. But they're only used for personal gain or benefit in some, of some sort, of some, some type, whether it is self-importance or whether we think that we are special in God's eyes or whatever it may be. But that self-serving attitude eventually distorts the purpose of the gifts, including the possibility that we may end up thinking of our gift or somebody else's gift as being more important than others and either being proud of the gift that we have, or being envious of someone else's gift. And that is wrong. We're to use those gifts for the benefit of one another, for the edification of the church once again. Verse 11, But to one, but one and the same Spirit works in all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. Now there's a very important truth in this statement here. No matter what the gift may be, it is given by the Holy Spirit. It is not selected by the individual. We cannot go to God and say, God, I want this gift instead of that. It is given based on the wisdom and the determination of the Holy Spirit for the edification of the church, for the building up of the church. And it's all according to the will of the Holy Spirit, not our will. Brethren, I have seen some Christians deeply and profoundly desiring gifts that God had not given them and making a mess in the process of trying to be what God had not called them to be. But I have seen many others with a humble attitude serving the church in the way that God had empowered them to do and bringing amazing results, results that they by themselves would never be able to produce. Every believer, every Christian receives at least one gift. And yet we still hear people today denying that or making making that uh, something that is for personal edification. We are called to use those gifts in God's service. We are called to serve with those gifts in order to edify others and one another. We receive benefit and edification from other people's gifts 
and we provide benefit and edification to others with the gifts that God has given us. We're called to share the gospel with the world through the use of those gifts and to strengthen the church, the body of Christ. So brethren, let's not rob one another of what God has given us to contribute by saying we have no gifts. And let's not rob one another of what God has given us to contribute to each other by using it for personal gain, for personal reasons or purposes. Let us use the gifts that God has given us for the purpose that He intended. We're to use those gifts of the Holy Spirit and we're to do so by bringing praise and honor to the Lord and, and to the Father and for the purpose of, again, building up the church, edifying one another, serving one another, which, by the way, it is an expression of the very love of God that the Holy Spirit pours in our hearts that now is manifest toward one another by the way we serve each other, by sharing that gift that God has given us to share. Let's do that. And let's be faithful to God. God bless you. I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined to me and heard my cry. He brought me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay, and He set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm. He said, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and He answered me. For the depths of the grave, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. Undaunted radiance is not built on anything passing, but on the love of God that nothing can alter. The experiences of life, terrible or monotonous, are impotent to touch the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What if I 
given us eternal comfort and good hope by grace. Comfort and strengthen your hearts in every good work and word. Amen.